Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ultimate Insider Bear Insiders Podcast. I am Mike Pulaski here today. Bear family, we are on vacation in Cancun. Now, technically speaking, we're here for my wife's work, so it's not actually vacation, and I am still down here working, but we are in the tropics, uh, although it's been storming all week, so there's that. So anyway, I'm going to talk about that Washington State victory last week because Bears getting a win in Pac-12. Uh, it's a big one. It's another win towards a bowl game. So the Bears just two wins away now with four wins. They need six to be bowl eligible, be batting 500 for the year. But it gives them a chance. And so that's all you're playing for right now. If you are playing for Cal as a football player, you are looking to get into a bowl game coming up at the end of the season. And so that one was a huge one this week coming up. We've got the big game. Also going to be huge. And the UCLA is always a natural rivalry. So you give yourself a chance emotionally to play there. First, let's talk about Washington State. One thing that really stands out in my mind was how many times that ball was on the ground in that game. Uh, Both Cal and Washington State put the ball on the ground four times, so eight total fumbles in that game, which is a ton of fumbles. Uh, Bears lost two, Washington State lost three, so you get the bonus there in terms of the turnover takeaway, plus Washington State threw the reception Cal did not. So you are plus two in turnover takeaway. It's a huge difference maker in that game. But putting the ball on the ground is no bueno to speak the local language. You have to be able to hold onto the football. Ball security needs to be paramount. And for some reason, Jay not putting the ball on the ground, especially late in the game, um, is a big concern. So he needs to find a way to have better ball security. Obviously, Fernando Mendoza, as a quarterback, oftentimes you can't you can't kind of foresee it coming because you're looking downfield, you're trying to be a passer, you're getting ready to throw the ball. And when somebody comes in with a big strip sack or somebody comes in and wraps you up, you don't see it coming. Now that, again, that said, the time that he did get uh, hit, he could, if he steps into the pocket, just moves a little bit forward, which by the way, footwork in the pocket these days and RPO and, and read offenses is a little bit of a lost art for quarterbacks. Uh, but we'll talk about that at another time during the podcast, uh, all about quarterback mechanics and footwork and the whole nine yards. But how do you step forward into the pocket now? Somebody coming around the edge, the tackle can have them run the hoop. Uh, and by running the hoop, I mean he swings him way around the outside and the tackle just keeps washing him by. And if you step up into a nice solid pocket, then you don't get yourself in trouble. <clears throat> all said, have to hold on to that football. Cannot put it on the ground. It is a uh, major problem if you are putting the ball on the ground. So uh, between protection there, right, keeping a defensive end off your quarterback as a quarterback stepping up into a nice dish uh, and then getting rid of the ball on time, super important. So that covers fumbles. Bears win the turnover takeaway. That's a huge one. Another piece of this was the fact that Washington State had the ball for 11 minutes more in this game, but they ran almost, almost double the plays, but close. Bears ran about 60% of the plays that Washington State ran. They had 97. Cal had 57. And so that is a huge differential in terms of overall overall plays in a game. And that is, uh, it's tough. Usually when you're doing that, you are on the wrong side of it, which means you are not winning that game. And so uh, giving up the ball that much and having the other offense with the ball that much is often a very lopsided game the other way. Now, part of that is obviously the Bears' first score came off of a strip uh, and then scoop and score by Cade Uluave, and he had a fantastic day in this game. 
Defensively, I think this was a big game for the Bears. I think coming in, as you watch film, you knew that they were going to have an opportunity uh, against Washington State, giving up a lot of pressures this year. And they they did an excellent job of getting after Cam Ward. So six sacks on the day, which is phenomenal. Uh, David Reese, in particular, had a really good day off the edge um, and a couple of strip sacks at that. So a very nice job getting it done as an outside rusher, right? That edge guy that the Bears have been looking for that I keep talking about in this podcast. David Reese definitely was that edge guy in this game. Uh, and then Burrell obviously uh, came up with a sack as well, so a good sack there. I think you had uh, Xavier Carlton had a sack on the other side too, if I remember correctly. But you had David Reese with two and then four other guys with sacks. So really nice day getting after the passer. Kim Ward, one of the big keys to the game was moving him off his spot but containing him, not letting him beat you with his feet. So I think the Bears did a pretty decent job of that. Uh Again, in all those possessions, they got a lot of passing yards, 360-plus passing yards in that game. But when you give it the ball that much, that's going to happen. I think watching Cade Luave mature at that linebacker spot has been very fun, watching him get better and better. His instincts are phenomenal for what he needs to do back there as a linebacker. Now, he's not perfect by any means. Um, there's still assignment stuff he needs to figure out, but he's he's getting better day by day. Um, and then there weren't a ton of explosive plays against the defense. And so that's always good too, right? You limit explosive plays, you make them drive the length of the field, and eventually good things happen. And that's where those turnovers came from. So I think the defensively was very good. Offensively, Bears ran the ball. Jaden Ott essentially ran the ball very well. But when Jaden Ott is running the ball well, it's because the offensive line is clearing holes for him. And that's exactly what happened in this game. The big boys up front were getting that first level taken care of, and then Jaden, with his speed, was hitting it. And when he hit it, he was off to the next level. Uh, and so had a long run on the day of 52 yards, but was nice about getting the punch once he got to that line. Uh, ended up with 167 on the day and went for over 1,000 in his career. So that is huge in just two years. Uh, excuse me, 1,000 for the season. So in just his second year here, going for 1,000 yards, it's a big one, and that's a big um, compliment to that offensive line as well as Jaden Ott. I think Mike Blesch coming in, bringing a different mentality, bringing a different attitude to that offensive line group is a huge plus for the Bears this year, obviously. I think the scheme with Spav and Blesch together and working the numbers game, get it, if you're running against a heavy box, then you check out and get to the pass, you make them spread the box, and then you run against a lighter box. And that's a huge piece of it. If you get your numbers right, uh, and you get a hat on a hat, then it's up to your running back to find those lanes. And Jay Knott has certainly been able to do that this year. And you think about that 1,000-yard mark, he's done it in 10 games. So that's averaging over 100 yards a game for Ott on the year. And that is huge. I don't think the passing game ever quite got into sync. I think that they uh, struggled at times to find open guys. They are str- still struggling to find separation at that receiver spot. And that's one thing that the Bears really need to figure out because there's some talented dudes who need to get off of, get out of coverage. They need to be able to create separation from the quarterback. And if you can't do that, uh, you know, the back shoulder ball is good and fine for a little time, but you need to be able to find a way to stretch the field, get separation, create space for your quarterback to throw the ball into. Uh, And you just haven't seen a lot of that this year for the Golden Bears. So, 
That's one thing that they need to work on a ton. They need to some improvement there in the off season. Um, I would love to see what personnel that they have, but if they can't do it with that personnel, then you need to find it uh, in new personnel out there as well. And so that's that's one thing that really needs to happen at that receiver spot. Overall, a great win. I'm sure there was a ton of stuff to work on in the film room this week uh, because there always is in a game like this, especially with the turnovers. We talked about it, strip sacks, protection. Like there's just a little bit of everything that they could work on out there. And so I think they'll get it back after it this week. And then it's a big game coming up this week. But first, I talked to head coach Justin Wilcox. And so we'll take a look at that right now. Joining me now, head coach Justin Wilcox. And coach, good Pac 12 win, obviously versus Washington State. Give me your take on the game after you get a chance to watch film. Um, really kind of a unique game because of the drastic shifts and momentum. Even statistically, you look at it, and there's some that are heavily favoring them and some heavily favoring us. Um, so pretty unique in that respect. I'm proud of the way the guys fought to get a win. We really made things a lot more difficult at times than we needed to. Um, you know, offensively, we weren't really in – we didn't have great rhythm throughout the day, I wouldn't say. You know, there were some big plays. Jaden made a couple big runs. He had uh, good numbers on the day. Uh, there were some good pass plays we put together. But overall, not the rhythm that we're looking for. And then the turnovers, you know, are – yeah, we you can't do that. You know, we have to protect the ball better. We're fortunate to get get the one in the end zone with Driscoll. Um and we only, you know, we only ran 57 plays. Yeah. So when you look at that, they ran 97, we run 57. You know, generally you're not probably winning in a game when when you have that big a difference. Um, defensively, the, the uh, sacks, the negative plays, and the touchdowns, scoring on defense, uh, the takeaways were huge in the game. Um, the, you know, there was just a couple times where you felt like, man, if we could just make one more play right here or right there or finish the quarterback on another sack opportunity, you know, that whole game is just going to feel different, especially if you score a couple times on defense. So, um, you know, I that's what it felt like. You know, it just was really drastic. Um, and we made things more difficult than we needed to. Um, but I'm proud of the way the guys competed. We just got to play, play cleaner football and in each phase. I think you probably would – Feel the same uh, about 100 percent. yeah it's like i looked at this that stat 57 snaps to 97 snaps i don't know that i've seen a disparity that big before i've seen it but it usually it doesn't end well no it usually does not right it's teams run it's like it's more like you Oregon run state stanford game yeah if you run 97 and they run 57 usually you're thinking well that's really good because we're on the field and yes. they're not and um yeah so i uh that number was was pretty unique um and you know, defensively, again, I the for ninety-seven plays, there weren't a ton of huge explosives, mm-hmm. you know, and we were able to get the the ball away. But you got to get them off the field. Even our third down percentage wasn't bad. It was just they ran so many plays. So uh, we got to get another stop, another sack, and then offensively, we got to create more rhythm and then make you play a lot better. Yeah, you talk about sacks. You had six sacks, potential for maybe eight or nine, maybe even ten when you look yeah. at film, right? I mean, there, there were some opportunities to potentially get him on the ground. Talk about, A, getting six sacks, David Reese showing up a couple times looking really good, but then the potential for what it could have been. Absolutely. I mean, we, we got six. 
Reese had three. Uh, KJ had one chasing him down. Jaden uh, had one, but one early in the game. Here's a great example. We have him really wrapped up. Big guy Xavier's got him on a. It's going to be I think second or third and forever, and then kind of the guy pulls out of it somehow, and then it's scramble for an explosive pass, you know. And so those are the type you got that one. The last play of the game, we got a free runner. And the guy kind of sidestepped him. So there would be eight. And then there's another one or two. You just, yeah, all of a sudden you got nine or 10. And and those drives stall, you know, where maybe they, and they got points. So, yeah, the whole thing changes. But those are the plays we're talking about. You know, we sit here every week. It's like, well, four or five can drastically shift that game. And it's no different. Yeah, without a doubt. And then turnovers. The ball was on the ground in this game a lot. I mean, both sides. They had four fumbles. You guys have four. The, the ball being on the ground, a lot. you can't be happy when it's on offense, but you got to be super pleased when it's on defense. Yeah. Obviously, you want to take it away. And I think the, you know, we'll take it however we can get it. But when you earn it and actually take it away, you know, Cade, the first one, pulls the ball out, pops onto his feet, scoops it, runs in the end zone. That's a football play. The sack fumble by Reese. I mean, that, you know, the, the first one, you know, he kind of wrapped the guy up, knocked it out. And the second one was it, you know, almost a teach tape tomahawk. Uh, ball comes out and Nate Ruchina never stopped on the play. And their receiver was about to pick it up. And Nate kind of tackled and punched the ball. Yeah. That allowed Noel Williams to pick it up. So Nate Ruchina had a big part of that play, you know, the week showed to the team. But uh, earned takeaways are, are huge. And then we had another pick that we had a substitution issue on where they flagged us. We would add another interception. So, yeah. And then on offense, we got a we got a whole lot of the ball. Obviously, the Jaden's uh, late in the game is not not good. We got to hold the ball there, move the ball, get first downs in the game. And then Fernando's sack fumble, we got to protect and then step up into the pocket and then launch that ball to Jeremiah. Yeah, no doubt about it. You, uh, we talked about Kate. Kate Ulave is just having better and better games like as he's coming along you talked about his instincts as a football player on the sack versus USC when he just stepped up and then said oh look there's the quarterback go get him this game Justin actually talked about it on the air he stripped the ball out and then got up to go pick it up rather than you know being on the ground just jumping on it he actually it was it was an incredible football play by a guy who's been back and forth from running back to linebacker. Talk about his instincts and how that makes him a better player. Well, listen, Mike, as you know, um, there's X's and O's, and you got to teach guys rules on run fits and where you drop and how you match up routes. And then they got to go play. And during a football play and a football series and a game, like there are decisions that those guys have to make on the field. And, you know, it's the... It's the, uh, there's a line where you really don't want it to be robots. Like there's got to be some instinct for where's the ball, where's the blocker, how am I getting to the ball, what do I need to do to, to finish this play? And I, you know, there's some of those things you just cannot coach. Right. You know, and he's got, he's got some of that, a lot of that. And, um, doesn't mean we got, we get, we don't continue to coach other guys to do those same things, but, um, it just, it's not all the same. You know it and I know it. You know, the level of instinct for players, uh, there's a range. And there's some really good players who have average instincts and they just, you know, do their job and they have really good traits and they can do that. And then there's some guys who don't have 
as good a traits physically, but have great instincts and can, you know, make a play, whether it's catching a ball or tackling or blocking or throwing, you know. And then when you get the elite players, they got both. They got the traits, they got the instincts, and it's like that's where you get the elite elite players. So uh, he has those traits because in three weeks, he's, you know, sack fumble, uh, negative plays, but he goes in against Utah in the last month. Uh, you know, last week, this week, he just – He's got those traits, and he still makes mistakes. You know, he's got things he has to improve upon, but he's doing a, a heck of a job. Yeah, still just a puppy, so he's going to, I mean, keep coming along in his game. It's it's yeah. funny because you can coach all the potential possibities, right? You can get on the whiteboard and say, well, this happens, then you do this, and this happens. But then when it happens, having the recall and the ability to, to actually do it in the moment, with that, that's where the instincts come in. That's what makes truly special players and, and you know, I can't agree more that that having those instincts with the physical abilities makes for a pretty special player. Uh, and it's always fun to see. Uh, let's switch over to the offensive side of the ball. Jade Knott goes over 1,000 yards in this game. So 167 on the day, first back over 1,000 yards uh, in a few years here at Cal. So talk about, again, the offensive line, Coach Blesh, what those guys are doing up front, because none of it goes without the big boys up front. You're right. He, they've done an awesome job. I mean, they've just made such an improvement. Um, they believe uh, they're they're trying to use the techniques that that uh, Coach Blesh has given to them. He demands a lot of those guys, uh, but that group, the tight ends, and the receivers that are blocking down the field, we can even be better there. But man, that that front group and those uh, backs, uh, obviously, Jaden making the most in those opportunities. He hit that big run. He had a couple really nice runs where. Uh, you know, got on the perimeter, wasn't a lot. And he outran a guy. And uh, I still think Jaden can continue to improve. I mean, there's a couple runs in there. I'm sure he'd like to hit a little bit better and then the ball security. But going over 1,000 yards is a big deal. Um, that's, a, that's a great accomplishment, and it's shared with the O-line. I know Jaden would tell you the exact same. Uh, so really happy. We got a couple more games, so we want to build on that. Yeah, and over 1,000 yards in 10 games. Pretty good. I mean, that's, that's, that's a big-time season right there just in and of itself. One thing he has uh, is that breakaway ability, right? If if the big guys clear a lane, if they can get that first level clean and, and there's nobody at the second level, he can make it really big. He can stretch it with that speed. Yeah, he uh, really has a great acceleration. You know, it's like if there's a crease and he can get, he can get going quickly. And so if he can get to like 10 yards, he's going to be at full speed pretty quick. And so that's where you've seen him make these runs where he gets that crease and all of a sudden, oh man, he, he could go. And they, the, the chase players got to set their angle really high. Yeah. So, so I mean, just the whole group, it has to be a, a cohesive unit, right? It can't just be running back. You can have the greatest running back in the world with no O-line, and, but you have to have a good quarterback making decisions nowadays in the run game. You have to have a great O-line blocking up front. So just nice to see all that come together and work out. Um, one guy we don't talk about a ton, but he has made some huge contributions this year, Jack Andrews. He's yeah. a guy, you know, I, I, like I told you the story, I helped him catch his first fish, you know, out on uh, Lafayette Reservoir. And I've, so I've known him since he was a Cub Scout. And so to see him come along, to see what a good high school player he was, I thought it might take him a little bit longer in college to kind of make an impact, but he has worked his butt off to yeah. get to where he is. He's a guy that works really hard. When I'm out there in practice, you see him taking the reps, doing the work, uh, talk about Jack Andrews and his contribution on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, well, he, he's he got, uh, you know, he's he can run pretty well and he can catch the ball. Uh, but the number one thing about Jack, uh, and you just said it, is his work ethic. 
I mean, that guy, we got a lot of guys that work hard, but I, you'd be hard-pressed to find a guy that works harder than than Jack. I mean, he grinds, uh, whether it's weight room, meeting room, uh, with Tim Plow, uh, practice. Uh, over the course of the season, you know, we keep all this GPS data and we use it and, you know, there, there's a lot there, but uh, essentially in fall camp and each week of practice, Jack's one of the, he is usually the most high output guy in terms of the explosive efforts, how, how much he's going, how, you know, his top relative to his top end speed. So he just, he grinds, he's a worker, he cares a great deal and he wants to be a really good player and you know, um, there's a lot of guys that work hard at football, but it's not all the same. And he's in the kind of upper percentile of want to work ethic of guys that I've been around. So yeah, he's got a bright future and we're going to keep pushing him because he's still got to get better, but he's done some good stuff. Yeah. Which helps you not just in football, but that same work ethic later on in life when these guys get done with football, whenever that may be, it's, it's an incredible asset to have. I know the family obviously really well. So, um, just a, a good kid and, and watching him kind of blossom into this good college player so far is really fun. How much, I mean, I know that he and Fernando have a really good relationship and how much of that, like I know Fernando grinds too, you know, for a quarterback who does all that, how much of that do you think rubs off or how much of that is cohesive between those guys? Uh, I'm sure that's part of it, you know, and I think uh, both those guys approach the game the same way. It Again, they, it means so much to them. They spend a lot of time on it. They're up here in their spare time. They're getting treatment. They're doing extra to make sure they're ready for the game with meetings and walkthroughs and whatever else they can get. Like they're going to take every little nugget they can get so they can go perform well. And and then you see them connect a lot, um, you know, in the past game. And like once in a while, we got to tell Fernando to make sure, hey, go through your progressions. Because you, know, you can kind of fall into that. As you know, there's like the safety blanket. But uh, I think Fernando's got a good rapport with all the receivers, certainly with, with Jack. But – um, you know, Jeremiah and those other guys too, where he, he's developed some timing with them. But even, uh, like I said before, I think last week was probably, we weren't in great rhythm uh, in the past game. And and so uh, we're looking for better this week. But those two definitely uh, are on the same wavelength in terms of preparing. Yeah, once you trust the dude, it makes it easy to find him in the route because you know where that's going to be. So uh, always good. Finally, you get three offensive player or three players of the week for the Pac-12, not just offensive. You get you get um, Uluave gets freshman and defensive player of the week, and then Driscoll for his play and the fumble recovery for a touchdown gets it as well. Yeah, that was great. Uh, great to honor those guys. I'm happy for them. Again, Cade, we talked about um, and well deserving. And then uh, you know Driscoll. Just Johnny on the spot. Again, that was a huge play in the game. Huge play because the ball's on the ground. He picks it up. And we did, you know, in, in our meetings, we talk, we kind of do our FBI segment every week and we talk about goal line plays, pylon plays, when to reach, when not to reach. Because really, we only reach on uh, critical downs, you know, third or fourth downs of where you can reach the ball. And uh, we had a little fun because Driscoll, he picked up that fumble. And he reached over the goal line and he got it. And we made a, a there's a little caveat, caveat to our rule now because all of our skill guys, they only reach on the critical downs for the goal line or the pylon because some bad things can happen, as you've probably seen in the past. But oh, yeah, we uh, decided that if an O lineman gets the ball, then they have the green light to reach for the touchdown. And that's 
what Driscoll did. The big bone fellows get some reach. I like it. Yeah, I love, awesome. get him, yeah, get him some glory. So uh, now you, I think in order to talk to him these days, you got to call his press agent. You know, he's <laughs> such a big shot. So that's happy. That's great yeah. stuff. I love it when the big boys get touchdowns. That's awesome. So going into that game, you told them, and I at practice, we're going to win this one, and then we're going to win the next one, right? And and sets up that mindset of one at a time for those games. What was your message to the team after that game? Well, I wanted them to look at each other and, you know, see what it feels like. And, you know, that's a, that's a drug. Winning is a drug, and there's nothing like that. You know it. You've been in there. And uh, so that joy is palpable. Um, you can feel it and let's do that again. And in order to do that, well, we gotta, we gotta have a great Monday practice and a Tuesday practice and the meeting's gotta be on point. We gotta be really dialed in on our details so we can go play good football and have a chance to have that same feeling again. And, uh, they, uh, they've been great. I mean, even when things haven't gone our way this year, they, they always practice. Like we, we, very rarely have had guys that don't show up and, and practice, but uh, it's certainly more fun and enjoyable when you're coming off a victory. And so we want to do everything in our power to to try to do that again. Yeah, my my head coach, the Arena League, used to say that winning is the glue that binds a team together. And yeah. boy, win, wins are pretty special when you get them. So always awesome to celebrate. Uh, the mindset question for today, and and it's going into big game week. There's a there's a slipstream of success, right? Of not too high, not too low. You know. Rivalry games, LA games, you're always going to be up for games. And getting guys keyed in to where they can enjoy the rivalry game and and have fun with it, but still play at that level where you are in the zone of success. Mm-hmm. How hard is that? How difficult is that as a coach for you? I think, uh, yeah, we've talked about this before before yeah. that performance anxiety curve yeah. and we got a couple guys on the team one in particular who I talked to about it after the game because I think he was probably a little bit to the right you know was kind of anxious and played yeah. that way um so being aware of it and uh acknowledging it and being able to know yourself and what it takes for you to get right in that peak performance zone and uh I will say I think as you once you've played a little more you have a little more experience especially a little bit later in the year, I think you probably, most individuals do a better job managing that, knowing where they need to be. Sometimes earlier in the season or earlier in your career, I think you have a tendency to maybe, you know, get into the red and uh, uh, maybe not perform at uh, maybe your peak level. So I think guys are doing a good job. We we do talk about the rivalry. We I want them to understand the history and the acts and it's 126 times and the people that played in the games and it doesn't change how we prepare, but there's, I don't think there's anything wrong. I think it's a good thing to appreciate. I mean, you're, you're involved in one of the greatest rivalries in college football. And the older you get, you'll appreciate it even more, you know, cause some guys have been here six months and I can't expect them to understand it totally like you would, you know, or, or even I do now. I, I think it's, it's not like it, it happens instantly, but over time, you gain it uh, much more, you know, you, you just pick up the appreciation and um, not that they don't now, but these guys are young and they've only played in it. Maybe it's their first time or maybe the second time, but uh, it is a special thing. And I want them to be aware of that so they can take it in. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my first, the, the first bonfire we went to as a freshman and it was like, what's going on around me, right? Like it's everything that's outside of me. 
And then the next year it's like, oh, with my team, yeah. right? And that develops into with my community. And then you see the alum and how much it means to everybody. And it's just, you ingrain, it becomes so personal in the big game to you. It's just such a, it's a really cool effect. I got five years of it. So, you know, I got the full uh, involvement as a Cal guy in the big game, but it's, it's an awesome thing to be a part of. So that was head coach Justin Wilcox, as you can see, obviously he is excited about having the win and the win is always good. There's about a million cliches about what winning means for a football team, but a win is always good um, for any team to help them kind of become cohesive, become better together, to learn to grow together, and then to build that success feeling and that positive feeling leads you to hopefully more victories and better play. So this week coming up, the Bears have the big game. Um, I will say that it's sometimes unpredictable, but Stanford's struggling right now in spite of the fact that my guy, Troy Taylor, the head coach down there, is trying to uh, get it together on the farm. But we will talk about that game later on for now. From Cancun, I appreciate you guys watching. I'm Mike Pulaski for Ultimate Insider and Bear Insider. I will talk to you again soon. As always, go Bears.